Christmas Magic Blessed is the season which engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love. Hamilton Wright, maybe. I wish I could tell you that the whole thing happened because I'm caring and unselfish, but that wouldn't be true. I had just moved back to Wisconsin from Colorado because I missed my family and Denver wages were terrible. I took a job at a hospice in Milwaukee and found my niche working with the patients and families. As the season changed into fall, the schedule for the holidays was posted. December 24th, 3 to 11, Barbara. December 25th, 3 to 11, Barbara. I was devastated. Newly engaged, it was my first Christmas back home with my family after many years. But with no seniority, I had little clout to get Christmas off while my dedicated colleagues worked. While lamenting my predicament, I came up with an idea. Since I couldn't be with my family, I would bring my family to the hospice. With the patients and their families struggling through their last Christmases together, maybe this gathering would lend support. My family thought it was a wonderful plan, and so did the staff. Several invited their relatives to participate, too. As we brainstormed ideas for a hospice Christmas, we remembered the annual 11 p.m. Christmas Eve service scheduled in the hospital chapel. Why don't we take the patients to church? I suggested. Yes, replied another staff nurse. It's a beautiful candlelight service with music. I bet the patients would love it. Great, and we can have a little party afterwards with punch, cookies, and small gifts, I added. Our enthusiasm increased as we planned the details of our hospice Christmas celebration. Now, it never occurred to me that all these great ideas might not float so well with the administration. It never occurred to me that we might have to get permission for each of these activities, until the director called me into her office. Uh, Barb, I'm hearing rumors of a Christmas Eve celebration here at the hospice. Well, yes, I replied. Eagerly, I outlined all the plans and ideas the staff had developed. Fortunately for my career, she thought involving our families with the unit activities was a wonderful idea, too. But, she said, certainly you're not serious about taking the patients to church. It has never been done. Yes, I'm serious. It would mean a lot to the patients and families. Very seldom do you see any patients at this service, and if they do go, they're ambulatory and dressed. She shook her head. Our patients are too sick to go. But a number of them have indicated an interest, I argued. I cannot authorize the additional staff needed. The family members can help. What about the liability? Now I felt like saying, what could be the worst thing that could happen? Someone dies in church? But I didn't. I just kept convincing her until she begrudgingly gave approval. Christmas Eve arrived. Family members gathered in the lounge and decorated a small tree, complete with wrapped packages. Then we implemented our plan for the staff and families to transport the patients to the chapel. While most of the patients had family members with them, one young girl 
had no one. At just 19, Sandy had terminal liver cancer. Her mother had died of cancer three years previously, and her father stopped coming long ago. Perhaps he couldn't sit by the bedside of another loved one dying so young. So my family took charge of Sandy. My sister combed her hair while my mother applied just a hint of lipstick. They laughed and joked like three old friends as my fiancé helped her move to a gurney. Meanwhile, other nurses hung IVs on poles. I put IVAX on battery support and gave last-minute pain meds. Then, with the patients in wheelchairs and on gurneys, we paraded our group into the chapel, just as they were finishing Joy to the World, with the organ and bells ringing out in perfect harmony.